welcome to All Things Green. I'm Shelby, here with my co-host Anton, to discuss a variety of topics from across the sustainability universe. Anton, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Shelby? I'm doing really well. Yeah? I'm fresh off of attending the American Public Health Association's Policy Action Institute. Oh my. Yeah. How exciting. It was exciting. It was virtual for me. They did hold an in-person gathering in Washington, D.C., but I wasn't able to make that. So I basically just spent nine hours staring at my computer, but there was a lot of good stuff to see, and I okay. thought it'd be appropriate to talk about it since we're going to talk about policy and government today. Yeah, that's cool. Is there like a, a great policy to, to take away from that conference? There were several good policies um, that I think would be more applicable to my day-to-day public health work, but yeah. the thing that I thought was interesting for our conversation is that they had this panel of Gen Z activists within public health, and a lot of them talked about climate science and climate change. Very cool. Um, it's a pressing issue uh, for all of us, but I think Gen Z, you can tell me as a Gen Zer whether this is true, <laughs> like it really is top of mind. So yeah. I thought it was great that they pulled in some really young people at this conference to talk about what their, uh, their actions were in terms of how they were addressing different policy issues. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel like climate science is higher for you than it would be for an older person? Yeah, I think I think my awareness of it is definitely like much higher. Um, it's top of mind, like you said, and I'm just glad that young people are getting a voice in that kind of stuff. So Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad too. They did a good job and it was absolutely wild to me to see someone sit there and say, um, you know, I'm 18 years old and I've been working on climate science for the last four years. Like, whew, how did you get started in this when you were yeah. 14? Um, I don't know what I was doing when I was 14, but it certainly wasn't advocacy. So I'm glad there are people out there who are. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, well, let's start by jumping straight into some policy. Uh, and another thing that will probably impact young people, which is the sort of trend that we're seeing here in the US of silencing climate science. Yeah. So. We live in Ohio, for anyone who's never listened before. We talk about it all the time. <laughs> the Ohio State House has recently proposed some regulations to how higher education can work for state-funded higher education within the state of Ohio. So they want to help students make their own decisions, make up their minds, not have to engage in controversial topics. Um, they refer to it specifically as controversial belief or policy. Wow. Yeah. Um, I actually think that going to college is to challenge you mm -hmm. and to help you build up awareness about the world, challenge the beliefs that you held as you grew up. But the very Republican state legislature here thinks that it's a way to brainwash kids. And so one of those uh, controversial beliefs that they say that you can't talk about in college is climate science. That's wild. Yeah. Climate Science. Climate <laughs> science. Well, they, they of course, don't call it that. Uh, they talk about global warming. But um, sure. it, it sits there alongside things like talking about racial justice, talking about LGBTQ education. And so they're considering this one of those things that we shouldn't be uh, funding with state dollars for people to learn about these issues. Um, I'm curious from you, because you went to a state college in Ohio, yes. would... Would it have been on your mind when you were applying for colleges if a bill like this were were on the floor? Oh, I mean, if if that were on the floor, maybe when I was applying for colleges yeah. in high school, I probably wouldn't have applied 
in Ohio. Like that's that's pretty crazy. That's that's an intense bill. Yeah, it essentially is saying that you can't be taught the truth or that young people aren't able to make up their own minds. That's how I take it, is yeah. that this right-leaning legislature is saying, well, <laughs> we can't introduce these ideas because then automatically people will start to move to the left of center and they're going to abandon the, the values that they grew up with. And I want to push back on that for so many reasons. A, because we have a right to information and we should be teaching the truth about things that are backed by science, like climate change. Yeah. Um, but also, I just push back on the idea that I can't make up my own mind. College definitely opened my eyes to all sorts of things that I hadn't... Same here, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> learned at home or experienced in my own life. But I don't think that it brainwashed me. I just learned and have yeah. made up my own mind about things. And some of those ideas have changed as I've gotten out into what we call the real world, you know, the working world. So Yeah, 100%. I think during college, it's a very formative time in people's lives. And even people who go back to college, you just get so much information. And it's so much to digest that even when you leave college, your mind keeps changing and you, you create different opinions even after college. So like this whole idea that like, you just go in, get brainwashed, and then like you're just a, uh, you know, left leaning, leftist swine <laughs> is like kind of weird. It's like just such a panic. I think like such a panic move. I think so too, and I also think that it's not going to stop students from learning about these issues. Hundred percent. Social media makes it so much more easy for folks to access information, um, but then it's not going to be as nuanced. If we're really worried about people not getting the full picture, the place you're not getting the full picture is oftentimes places like TikTok or Instagram. That's a great point. Yeah. You're seeing a sixty-second clip of yeah, what climate if science. That sometimes. Yeah, right? exactly. Sometimes <laughs> it's more like six. Um, and so I really want people who want to go to college, which isn't everybody, to be able to have that exposure to someone who is a professional, yeah, probably a researcher or someone with a degree in this, helping them have conversations, read texts, and explore issues on this like more broad, nuanced way. This is part of not just Ohio, but a sort of national trend to push against climate science. So we talked uh, probably over a month ago now about what was happening in Texas with the bans on textbooks that talked about climate right. science. Yeah. Um, so in Texas, just as a reminder, I don't know if this ever passed. When we talked about it, it was just going to the floor of their uh, state house mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you had to show both sides of climate change. Right, both in, sides. Yeah, in public school textbooks, um, which essentially meant that they had to be friendly to the oil and gas industry and talk yeah. about the benefits oil and gas have had on our society while also talking about how it's destroying the planet. So... I wanted to touch on that story just as a reminder that this is not new. It's just happening here, but it's also happening across the nation. I wanted to see where else there were bills coming out. And so I started looking up like bills related to climate change in the U.S. And I found Columbia University has this thing called the Silencing Science Tracker. Mm. It's a little out of date now, so it's not the place I'd recommend anyone go to keep up with the newest updates as far as like silencing science. But the fact that it exists is really telling to me and that there's page on page on page of 
essentially congressional bills, state bills, uh, or even just uh, uh, statements that have been put out that are incorrect, that are silencing science. They started by talking specifically about climate science and then moved into sort of other kinds of disinformation. Most of the most recent things were more about the COVID pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's a great place to go and just see years of history of ways that we as Americans have not been allowed to discuss things or that people are trying to keep us from discussing yeah. things. And I think the best way to get not get rid of the disinformation, but to move past it is to be the truth teller yeah. in these spaces. So like, even if you're not on social media, sometimes like, I'm not saying go into arguments with people, but yeah. like, you know, if, if there's an article that speaks to you or something like that, you can repost that if it's a truthful and you know, well-sourced article. Absolutely. So I think it's really important that people are sharing the truth with so much disinformation out there. Yeah, absolutely. On that note, we'll have all of our sources from this segment in the show notes, as we (laughs) always do. Um, And then I would encourage anyone who's listening uh, or watching to keep up with things that are relevant like that happening in their area. It could be either your local municipality or your state. Anyone who's trying to push to ban you from being able to learn, talk about, present science as it is, uh, we should be registering to vote and making sure that we vote against things like that. 100%. Because... I love Ohio and I want people to move here and stay here. Yeah. And I think something like this could really stop students from sticking around or coming to Ohio to study. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I totally agree with that. I think your insight is spot on and yeah, excited to follow that bill, see where it goes. Yeah. I'm excited to hopefully watch it get squashed, but um, <laughs> let's talk about another controversial yeah. bill. Yeah. So uh, the gas stove bill uh, recently passed by the house, the, the U.S. House. Mm-hmm. We're talking about federal government now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Republicans, uh, basically, they pushed a bill through um, that would prevent a nationwide ban on gas. So so they say, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's no movement, according to the Biden administration in the White House, that there was ever, like, a hint of, like, wanting to ban gas stoves in the first place. Mm-hmm. But Can some... we talk about where that came from, though? Like, this idea that there is... Well, I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you want me to? Yeah, I can yeah, do go that. Ahead. <laughs> well, my understanding, I was following this because of the public health implications, is that essentially the what is the consumer protections mm-hmm. said we could ban gas stoves. That they'd been looking at research that showed how bad it was for people um, because, and I'll let you talk more about this, but essentially just the chemicals that are produced. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's such a public health crisis. I mean, you're getting formaldehyde. nitrogen dioxide, carbon monoxide, like you're getting those chemicals from combustion like actually in your home. Mm -hmm. Whereas like an electric stove, that combustion may still be happening. I mean, you may be getting uh, clean energy from from the grid also, but that combustion at least is happening at a power plant away from your home. uh, So you're not getting all those chemicals that you're inhaling. I mean, formaldehyde is like one of the main chemicals that you get from smoking cigarettes. So, I mean, bad stuff. Yeah, I know that the studies they looked at showed that it was causing asthma in young kids. Yes. Uh, You and I, being adults, may not notice if we're cooking with gas, even if it's creating long-term effects, but you can see an increased incidence of asthma for children who grew up in homes with gas stoves. Right, yeah. So when the Republicans passed this um, in the House, it it basically is saying that uh, the Consumer Product Safety Commission would not be able to use federal funds to regulate gas stoves um, or like any like ban had 
banned hazardous products around gas stoves. So, I mean, essentially, uh, the Republican GOP is trying to nip uh, nip this in the bud, kind of like a non-issue. Yes. Kind of like a solution to a problem that they're creating, I guess yes. you could say. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're like creating the problem by presenting a solution. Yeah, because, exactly. Because, yes, the Consumer Product Commission, sorry, I might be getting that wrong. That's okay. <laughs> They said this is an issue and it's something we could do with our current powers. But they also explicitly said they were not entertaining a gas stove ban. So it became this weird culture war thing. The thing that's funniest to me is that this bill is literally called the Gas Stove uh, Freedom. No, Gas Stove Protection and Freedom Act. (laughs) Like it feels like parody to me that you (laughs) equate freedom with being able to have a gas stove. It is bonkers. Um, I even have a gas stove just because that's what happened to be there when I moved in. I'd love to replace it someday, but I I get why people would not, would, wouldn't potentially hear news like that and be like, oh my gosh, that'd be really expensive. Yeah. But that wasn't happening. They were just exploring the fact that, that it existed. I can also tell you that when I lived in Texas during that massive freeze where the energy grid shut down for, in some places, weeks, People died because they were trying to heat their homes with their gas stoves. Oh my gosh. It off gases so much. Yeah. And when you don't have your vent to be able to uh, mitigate those impacts, m- there were families that died. Yeah. I mean, even with the vent, some of these articles I was reading says like, you're still inhaling toxic chemicals, even if your vent is turned on, even if you have your window open. I mean, these are these are bad chemicals. And not to mention, poor people are the ones that are really bearing the brunt of uh, these chemicals, they're often the ones using like older gas stoves if they live in like a rental apartment. I've, I've seen like three different, um, I lived in like three different apartments in my life mm-hmm. and all of them are like that old, you know, like sixties or seventies stove. Yes. And these, these stoves in these apartments, they're not regulated, you know, by any means. There's nobody like checking in to make sure like there's no like methane leaks or, um, no like crazy amounts of, fumes coming off from the the burn so yes. like it's it's kind of a big deal for you know poor people especially absolutely because then you don't really have a choice it's yeah. not your home or at least not a home that you own yeah. so you could move in and know that you have young kids in the house and say oh well i'd really prefer an electric stove it's a little bit greener for the environment and right. it's going to be better for the health of my kids uh but your landlord has control over that and if yeah. you are already a person with few choices economically, you probably don't have the power to push back on something like that. So yeah, it becomes an issue of equity and I'm sure it it produced, I'm sure we could find research that shows that there are disparities in in low income communities. Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of think that this is not going to pass the uh, Senate. Good. but it's it's kind of an interesting culture war, like you like you brought up earlier. Um, I, I want to give props to the Biden administration. I mean, they should be doing their due diligence by looking into these problems. Um, they've prevented incentives to switch to like induction stoves, which are more efficient mm-hmm. and not powered by natural gas. So, yeah, I'm 
I'm excited to also see this bill get squashed. <laughs> Me <Shelby>. too. Let's <laughs> squash them all. Uh, if you want to talk about a bill that we didn't want to squash, yeah. that actually passed, or really an, an act that passed. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the Biden administration, uh, let's move on to talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, shall we? Please. So the Washington Post just did some really good reporting. Um, I subscribe to their Climate 202 newsletter. Wow. Yeah, I know. So they, <laughs> they send these like bite-sized bits of information on top climate news. I really recommend it for anyone who wants like you know a five minute read uh, and so they just did this little segment on the inflation reduction act and the cost of it and some of the reactions that we're seeing to the cost so just as a reminder the inflation reduction act passed last august and it's this enormous bill that includes all sorts of things but particularly of interest to us is that it has some clean energy tax credits yeah so essentially it helps incentivize and subsidize americans who want to make green choices. Mm -hmm. The original projection for the cost of just the clean energy tax credits, not even the whole bill, it was about $270 billion over 10 years. That's an enormous number, but also we have to think about it in context of our entire GDP. Mm -hmm. um, it's big, but it's manageable over that amount of time. Mm -hmm. Recently, the Joint Committee on Taxation released what they called, and I'm going to quote, a very preliminary, unquote, new projection, which actually is putting the cost at more like $663 billion. Wow. Some quick math tells me that's about double the yeah. original projection. So just under a year passed when when this act took when the act passed, mm -hmm. we're now seeing that it's going to cost about double for this piece of it. Okay. So you can imagine that there have been some reactions to yeah, this. Yeah, I'm sure there's been critics like, "Where's what about the numbers that you gave us and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> as, was most, as with most things, uh, this really split down party lines. Okay. So more Republicans in Congress are saying things like, these projections were intentionally uh, deflated. Mm. So you... You falsified this projection. You wanted us to believe it was going to be less expensive than it is. There's not any evidence of that, but that's an argument. Um, or just a general reaction that that's too much. We need to look at these costs. We need to look at these subsidies and reduce it because that's just going to be too much money. Um, or just that this is irrational spending on things that aren't really an issue because climate change isn't real. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. But of course, on the left, we're seeing a lot more positivity towards this. So the biggest thing that people are saying is just, if it costs more, that means it's working. Yeah. So when you think about what these tax credits are doing, it is reducing the amount of taxes that we're able to take from, from taxpayers because it's like, we're going to subsidize the cost of you purchasing that electric vehicle or solar panel yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so... That means that if it costs more, more people are doing it. Mm -hmm. So the left is essentially saying this shows that this was a really popular idea. Yeah, it was a need, quite frankly. It was a need. Yeah. Because being able to shift into a more sustainable lifestyle was sort of like being gatekeeped. Yeah. Gatekept, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the price. Yeah, so absolutely. This, allows more people to engage in these behaviors, to purchase more green alternatives. And that's a that's a win for us. Yeah. Um, so it costs more because it's popular, because over the last year we've seen so many people buying into it that we're, we're gonna have more costs associated with that. So the left says, 
that's exactly what we need. If it costs more, great. This is this is a climate emergency, and these are all yeah. positive steps. Um, in particular, one of the um, uh, Congress people who also happens to run a um, a car dealership said that his electric vehicles were selling like crazy. So he was really happy to see <laughs> that people were buying his electric vehicles. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, but of course. We're entering an election cycle. It's hard to believe. Let me step back and just sit with that for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. We're going to enter another election cycle. Um, if Republicans are able to take back the White House or later down the line take over the Senate and have control over both sides of the House, yeah. um, they're, of course, going to try to scrap either part or all of this legislation. Um, they might succeed even, but I saw some comparisons between the Inflation Reduction Act and the Affordable Care Act, essentially saying both of these were massive spending bills. Both were unpopular on the right, mm -hmm. but ended up becoming very popular with the general public. The Affordable Care Act made it so that you can access preventive care for free if you have health insurance. It reduced the costs of certain things. It gave more people health insurance. And so something that was kind of controversial over time has become the norm. I yeah. mean, we've had that bill for a long time now. That's right. So it's become this talking point on the right that we're going to repeal the ACA, and it kind of hasn't happened. Right. Um, because it became popular and even though it's still something that you can shout from the rooftops when you're running, ultimately when you're in office, you go, oh, this is kind of working. So Yeah, people like having health care. People love having health care. <laughs> it's not perfect, but it was yeah. definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. And so my hope and the hope of lots of other people in this space is that the Inflation Reduction Act will be like that, that that it'll be this talking point on the right that, oh, it's going to cost you all so much money. Uh, we can't afford this. We're going to repeal it. But folks who are using the subsidies will say, no, we like this. Um, we want to keep it. And maybe it won't be something that's popular enough um, or it won't be popular to repeal it. It will be very popular kind of across parties right. in the general public where hopefully we can hold on to it. Yeah. I mean, I hope I hope we see it through and it sticks around and it's not just repealed like you're saying. Um, that'd be awesome because, you know, small steps are still steps. Absolutely. I'd rather take a small step than no steps. Yeah. Awesome. That's all I had for you today. So thanks so much for talking all things green with me. You Thank want to you, tell Shelby. everybody? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> let everybody know how they can keep up to date with us. Absolutely. If you'd like to stay connected to us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at One Planet Media. That's O N E one. And if you'd like to rewatch full episodes, check out our YouTube channel, All Things Green Show. You can find all of our sources from today's episode in our show notes. We'll be back at the same time next week to bring you more news. Thank you for being a part of the global sustainability movement.